0: In 2014, Daniel Hernandez was working at a vegan deli in Brooklyn, New York. After a customer told him he looked like he could be a rapper, he decided to start making music. A fellow rapper introduced him to members of a gang known as the Nine Trey Bloods, and they acted as his posse in a music video. Shortly afterwards, they accepted him into the gang for real. His role in the gang was simple. Hernandez was to just keep making hit records and be the financial support for the gang enabling them to buy firearms. When asked what he got in return, he said, My career. I got the street credibility, the videos, the music, the protection, all of the above. The same year, a 16-year-old named Jase Onfroy was released from juvenile detention. He'd met up with a rapper on the inside called Ski Mask the Slump God, and they planned to commit a string of robberies together once released. But upon leaving juvenile detention, Onfroy changed his mind. He bought a cheap USB microphone and decided to start making music instead. He began uploading his music to SoundCloud, part of a burgeoning wave of young alternative artists using the platform to reach millions of fans despite not having a record deal. Within the space of three years, both Hernandez and Onfroy were superstars in the SoundCloud rap scene. Their songs became sleeper hits on the Billboard charts, and their undeniable connection to the young, passionate hip-hop fans made them irresistible for major rap players looking to collaborate and share in their runaway momentum. Their dyed hairstyles and facial tattoos immediately drew the attention and the ire of the media. Their chosen monikers were weird, confusing to read off the page, but exceedingly easy to type into YouTube or Google. And by 2018, their full nicknames were no longer needed. For any young hip-hop fan in the world, a few characters were all that were needed to identify them. They were X and 6ix9ine. Today we're looking at X Tentacion's Question Mark and Takashi 6ix9ine's Day Six Nine, which were released three weeks apart in early 2018. Have these two pillars of SoundCloud rap aged well? What was the impact of these two pivotal albums? And are they actually speaking English in some of these songs? We're talking all this and more. Welcome. To when albums collide. Welcome to the When Albums Collide podcast. I'm with my co-host Pedro Duran. Pedro, how's things?
1: Good, good. How are you, man?
0: I'm good. Good news, Pedro. We're now officially ranked the six thousand one hundred fifty seventh most popular podcast on the global charts. <laughs> Fucking take that, cereal.
1: Yes, thank God. Yes. All the hard work's paid off.
0: It's finally paid off. And we're, and we're going to climb another couple thousand ranks with uh, this very, you know, modern episode. Now, I know you have a brother, Pedro. Yes. Um so I don't know if the relationship is the same, but for me, cuz I had an older brother, um whatever he listened to, I immediately listened to. So he influenced my music taste more than any other human being on the planet cuz like he had a job, so he would buy a CD and he'd bring it home and we'd just listen to that because that's all we had on this little Sony Walkman that we, we used to have. Um, so I thought, let's get him on the show. Let's, let's find the origin story of my music taste. And uh, we've got Josh Boaz on, on the line.
2: How's it going, Josh? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. And uh, thanks for the little nostalgia trip there. Uh, I remember downloading songs off LimeWire together and, yeah, listening to CDs that we bought at um, the local music store. So it was good times. Stuff like Limp Biscuit and Corn you know, early, early 2000s <laughs> stuff. So yeah, stoked to be on the show. I listened to your episode, um, Damn vs. Everybody, which was great. So glad I could be part of uh, this one. So Josh,
0: I gotta get right off the bat. What is your experience? What have you been your run-ins with both Extentacion and uh, Takashi 69
2: I guess it goes back a few years now, maybe two or three years when, you know, SoundCloud was kind of Booming artists like Lil Peep, of course, yeah, XXX. Yeah, all those SoundCloud rappers um, sort of, you know, hitting it big. So, yeah, I was excited to to join this episode. Yeah, let's get into it.
0: What about you, Pedro? Like, have you had you heard of these guys before?
1: Yeah, I've heard of uh, um just kind of uh, randomly. I listen to a lot of raps. So I try to be informed with what's coming up in that. I've heard about him through, you know, hip hop blogs, and I used to work at jobs where, you know, high schoolers work at as well, so they would tell me about him and and stuff like that, and I never really paid too much attention to it because I just thought it fell all into that mumble rap scene, which I'm not really keen on. I'm more into lyrical rap, um, and with uh, Takashi, he's such a character online on social media and his exploits and obviously the way he looks with that rainbow, uh, colored hair and that whole motif, it's, it's hard not to pay attention to him or should take notice of him. Um, as, as far as, or as far as that goes, but I've never really listened to any of these guys's music, uh, prior to this weekend. So,
0: so Pedro, one thing I would say, and if you, if yeah. you didn't have any, um, connection with six, nine before, how I got introduced to him I think was Josh would just start like around the apartment when we lived together he'd just start saying like scum gang and we'd just say it at each other for like yeah. four <laughs> minutes straight or like you know say the name of a song like gummo kiki fefe kuda so I think start doing it to your girlfriend just start like screaming scum gang at her and you'll convert her over uh, Yeah, but right, it's gotta imagine. be
2: super it's gotta be super drawn out
0: scum gang,
2: scum gang! can you can't, you can't yeah. just say scum gang? You got to get in the in the right mood. That's if you want to
0: practice, just listen to this album because he'll say it 50 times during this album. It is
1: insane. Yeah, I, I might as, at this point, it might as well just start saying it like just in public. You know what I mean? When like I go to get uh, get my coffee in the morning or something, and they're just like, "Uh, hey, Pedro, cappuccino," and I'm like, "Scum gang." <laughs> And then just leave. No thank you or yeah,
0: anything. Yeah. No explanation. Throw up your gang signs for the Treyway Bloods.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Treyway.
2: That reminds me of when Judd and I were in Taiwan at Christmas time. And we went to this place where you could buy kites. Uh, and then you release the kites up into the air and they just like kind of float away but you could decorate your own kites and we were going to put scum gang on on one of the <laughs> on one of the kites you know people would put yeah. the loved ones names and you know really meaningful things but
1: uh... yeah. yeah yeah that's it it's this whole thing he's just kind of uh like he is he's, a of a car- he's a clown yeah, he's a he is a cartoon that's the whole the whole thing about it So the man, the myth, the
0: meme, takashi 69 let's take a deep dive into his legal troubles. Starting on February 21st, 2015, where Hernandez attends a party in Harlem and there are videos taken that show Hernandez engaging in apparent sexual activity with a girl who is later revealed to be 13 years old. Hernandez pleads guilty to one felony count of the use of a child in a sexual performance. The plea deal requires Hernandez to complete 300 hours of community service and refrain from posting or reposting explicit or violent images on social media. He's pretty good for the next three years, until January 6th, 2018, when he gets into an altercation in Houston, Texas, with a fan who's taking a video of him. He decides to choke the fan, who is 16 years old, by the way, and is charged with a misdemeanor. Later that year, April 3rd, several members of the Houston-based label rap lot Records are robbed at gunpoint in the lobby of their Times Square offices. Hernandez will later testify that the robbery was planned by nine Trey members seeking revenge after they didn't let 6ix9ine perform at a show he'd been booking a month earlier. April 21st, 2018, a member of 6ix9ine's entourage fires a gun during an altercation with Casanova's entourage in a tunnel in Brooklyn. 6ix9ine posts a video to Instagram shortly afterwards where he's seen laughing about the incident. It's very uh, Rap snitch conities by MF Doom. telling on in the court and be their own star witness. Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, I'm right here. Fuck around, get the whole label for years. June 2nd, 2018. Chief Keefe is shot at in the early hours of the morning outside the W Hotel in Times Square. He is unharmed, the bullets miss. 6ix9ine, who's been involved in heated online altercations with Chief Keith online for months later testifies to the police that he offered $20,000 to anyone who would shoot Keith July 22nd the same day he releases Fifi which is his collaboration with Nicki Minaj 6ix9ine is pistol-whipped, kidnapped, and robbed after shooting a video in Brooklyn, apparently getting robbed of $750,000 in jewellery. November 8th, 2018, while filming another music video with Kanye West and Nicki Minaj, production is halted when shots are fired in a drive-by aimed at 6ix9ine. November 18th, 2018, Hernandez is arrested along with five other men on federal racketeering and firearms charges, and this is the part where he faces life in prison with an absolute minimum of 47 years. This is the thing, this is the big one, and any fan of The Sopranos or The Godfather will tell you this is what led to the downfall of the Mafia, really harsh jail sentences. There's loyalty, but asking someone to do 47 years for you is something quite serious. So he testified at the trial of two of the members of the Nine Trey Gangster Bloods, and instead of getting 47 years, he took a plea deal and just got two years instead. So snitched out his friends. Fast forward to the 2nd of April, takashi 69s out of jail, 369. He is allowed to spend the final months of his much-shortened sentence at home because they're worried that because he has asthma, coronavirus might affect him in prison. So he not only gets out of jail, he gets to spend all his time at home. And other celebrities in confinement, including R. Kelly and Bill Cosby, are making similar arguments, so he's in good company there. Were you guys following this at all, you know, all, like, the memes? He's, like, a meme now, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd was. i listened to um, Dummy Boy, which I've got to say was so much better than Day 69 Uh, probably because it had features um, you know like Nicki Minaj Kanye West who who brought the album up a little bit but I've been following Takashi for a couple years now and yeah he's like a a living and walking meme I'm just wondering how long he's going to last you know out of jail with all that snitching that he's been doing
1: yeah I mean I think what this all went down about like last year maybe a year and a half ago, and every it was just so many memes on instagram and and Facebook of him and just like a caption of basically him uh just snitching and just you know just ratting out uh people and things like that whatever current topics were. We're happening and stuff like that so yeah i think that's where most people would know him from i actually had a conversation with somebody this weekend about this episode and i was talking about yeah you know takashi to, to and they're like no i don't and they're like the guy with the hair and, and the you know rainbow and they're like oh yeah from all the memes yeah i know <laughs> so uh yeah i think that uh, reputation uh supersedes his music let's just dive in right?
0: Day six nine. I can already tell Josh didn't like it that much. Day six nine. It starts off with Billy, and it starts off where he's just like talking at you, and he's like, "That's
2: my word.
0: Get up in they face. Talk your shit. Let your nuts drag, nigga. These niggas just running at they fucking mouth, man." And I was thinking, do you remember that um, Beatles album that started with Paul McCartney saying "Let your nuts drag"? Do you remember that that piece of art that start? No, because it doesn't exist. No album should ever start with this ridiculous sentence scum gang uh, what, what did you think of Billy? We,
2: we kind of went from um, this like amazing album art, which is the best thing about the album straight into this call to arms for who I assume is the Treyway bloods. Yeah and as you said, get up in their face, talk your shit, let your nuts drag which I found pretty funny and I quite maybe I'll use that line uh, <laughs> in the future but um, it was just you know and then followed by that scum gang scream. <laughs> which uh, stands for society can't understand me is the first of many scum gang calls that that opening line's really you know what you're going to get for the next probably 30 or 40 minutes
1: yeah man this album starts off like a cannon blast just with that announcement and then the rest of the album is just just it's just basically him yelling at you basically saying how you you know you don't want to fuck with him and he he raps about he lives and all that but uh yeah what a what a hell of an opening
0: it's okay uh to his credit to his credit how much music sounds like this these days like popular music most rappers are like kind of like softer now and like a little bit more like in touch with their emotions mm. there's no dmx running around anymore so to his credit he's doing something that like no one is just screaming at you to let your nuts drag over someone's face or something uh, look he's unique he is unique
2: yeah definitely i agree with that it- <laughs> It pretty much sets up the the themes for the the rest of the album. Like, you know, I, I'm a, I got a whole squad of killers. I'm a killer too. I'm gonna murder you. Comments on sexually explicit acts, toting guns and drugs. I mean, and mind you, I, I can't count the amount of times he said the n word, which is amazing because his mum is from Mexico and his dad is Puerto Rican. So I'm not sure uh... what, what the go is there and how he how he gets away with that, but. Uh, there was one track, I believe, we'll get to it later, but I think it was Gummo. He, he said the N-word 32 times. That's just on gu- Gummo, so...
0: <laughs> I did the it exact was... same thing with a different song that we'll get to. I counted. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> let's let's leave that to one side because I want to go to the opening track of Ex, Extentation's. Uh, I'll just call him X from now on, of Question Mark, the album. Here's what's interesting about this. I only knew of X from his songs like Look At Me where it's sort of the similar thing where it's just like you turn up, it's a banger, you play it at full volume through your iPhone 7 speakers in, in a crowded party or something. This was not what I expected, the entire album, but especially the start, which is introduction, brackets instructions, where he's like just talking like a, a monologue. With this project, again, you're entering my mind, <laughs> feeling my insanity, feeling my, my genius,
1: my energy. Enjoy,
0: which is the opposite of what Six Nine's saying, but it was like sort of like an emo voice message. I thought, what did you guys think?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it just it's yeah, it's interesting that you're comparing both of of uh, uh, the albums, how they decide to open up their their their, their the, the, basically the records. Like uh, with with X, it's just it's oh, I, mean, I don't know if it's a plea, I guess, but him just saying you got to be open up you got to open up your mind to alternative forms of music, alternative styles and stuff like that, which in a way I listened to the album like about three times over this weekend. The first time I I went, heard it, I was kind of like, all right, cool. What am I getting myself into? And then, you know, proceeded to listen to the album. The second time I felt, I mean, it kind of justified it that if I go into this kind of critical of it or hating on it, that I guess I had been warned that i had to listen to it with an open mind it's interesting perspective that they're taking as far as opening up their their albums so
2: it was not what i sort of expected i probably his most famous song that you know i was aware of was look at me now which is like you know super distorted super aggressive in your face and then it's almost like uh yeah this invitation into his mind uh to feel his as he says insanity and genius yeah, and this invitation into what turned out to be quite a versatile album. There was many different uh, kind of sounds and directions throughout the songs, which was interesting.
0: I think everything we're saying now also goes for Alone Part Three and Moonlight. Like the next two songs, they were like softer and like a little bit like introspective. And I was thinking oh, wait a minute, like, is is he not going to, like, turn up soon? Is he not going to go, like, real aggressive yeah. I was waiting for it, and it, it, I don't think it ever came. He saw that there is a market mm. for emo rap. Like, there is 100% kids want to listen to this. And I know there's been, like, emotional rap before, but if you listen to, like, Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg or The Chronic or whatever, the entire premise is how tough they are and how, like, street they are. So if you're a little 14-year-old millennial kid, you can't relate to music like that, but you can relate to X singing about his feelings like that emo isn't as big anymore as it was 15 years ago so this is the new thing like SoundCloud Rap is the new emo and he raps about being sad and stuff so this is like 100% he's got his market down pat very different from 6 Nines' market but Alone Part 3 and Moonlight same thing what do you think about those tracks?
2: Yeah I thought those first two tracks it was a pretty kind of depressing start to the album and um, seeing a lot about Heartbreak which is yeah as I mentioned quite a departure from the stuff I'd Previously heard from him. And then Moonlight, probably one of my favorite tracks um, of the album, it was quite catchy and had this beat uh, in the background, which to me kind of sounded like, you know, those things that you wind. It's like a baby toy and then it plays this kind of song, you know, to put a baby to sleep. It had that kind of sound in the background, which was just unique and a little bit different um, to anything I really expected and had quite a nice like flow uh, with his singing in Moonlight.
1: Yeah. I mean, I. Like I was saying at the top of the show, I've never listened to Access music before. So I'm thinking that this is going to be straight up SoundCloud rap, mumble rap and and that kind of style. So I was uh, surprised to have the first tracks just him singing. And I was like, okay, cool. So this is what we're doing. And I prefer Moonlight compared to Alone. Because it's the same thing, like you were saying, Josh, like the, I, I really do like that beat. It's unorthodox, but it has a bit of a bounce to it that you can just kind of groove to. Um, yeah, I thought it was it was uh, so far is so good on the album. So uh, the big thing I took away from it was just like I, I wasn't expecting this when I was when I was coming into the album.
0: I mean, I listen I listened to it, I think in the wrong order, because I listened to the 6 <laughs> 9 album first. So it got me like kind of antsy. And then I like had to like calm yeah. down, like. Like when you've been out for a run and you just got to like sit still, it, it was terrible. See, that's
1: your—that's the thing you did wrong. Because I knew six nine was gonna be what it was, so I was like, "Let me listen to X first before I um, start poisoning my brain with six nines music." And then go outside
0: and punch some pedestrians. Exactly. The second track—it's the biggest banger, Gummo. I mean, this song—say what you want about it—it's what launched him to megastardom, mm-hmm. Gummo. I also like that all his songs are like two syllables, end in a vowel, they're all like in all caps. It sounds like he's saying the names of like new Pokemon. Gummo, Fifi, Kiki, Kuda, Squirtle. Like it's, I I love, I love that it's so blunt like that. Gummo the the line niggas
1: blicky got the stiffy off.
0: that's like a classic line right like in 10 years people will still be saying that yeah. right
2: yeah like i i don't even know what that means but i i i have that in my notes and those few lines are just quite catchy and just stuck with me that yeah effy blicky got the stiffy uh not sure what it means um tried to google it still don't know what it means but um yeah super catchy <laughs> but interesting point on the song names is that he uh, he channeled one uh kendrick lamar uh if if you notice in the album damn he uses the all the capitals and and very short song names but that's about where the comparisons end unfortunately
0: <laughs> he has some good lines in the song that i don't mind like i don't fuck with no all hoes only new hoes like it's a it's a good line and the production's really good uh, it was produced by pierre bourne who also does Playboy Cardi songs and stuff. He did that song in New York, I'm in, in the Rock.
1: Runnin', runnin
0: the production's good. The rap is really stupid, but it's catchy. The video is iconic, where it's just a bunch of gang members in front of a New York mm-hmm. Harlem house. Like it's 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 a good song. I I shudder to say it, but it's a good
2: song. I mean it's all about context, right? So if you were in a club, you know, a few drinks deep and and that came on, then you would be super into it and I guess you you can only judge it on on context. Obviously, you're not going to play it in a cafe or a restaurant, <laughs> but it has a it has a place in the world, I'll say that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just a hype song that you just, you know, you put on and you just you and your friends and your mates, a couple of family members, you stand outside on your front lawn and just kind of you know, diddy bop to it and on a Sunday afternoon. So did you guys hear that thing that the producer, um, or, uh, like he rejected six, nine after this, because his association with all those sex charges and stuff like that. And he says like, you know, I'm never going to work with him ever again. And, um, he basically disowned him after, after all that story came out.
0: This is for me, like, that's the, the iconic song out of that album. The iconic song out of question mark out of X's album is sad Before we get to it, the elephant in the room is that X is no longer with us. On June 18th, 2018, X was shot and killed in an apparent robbery outside a Motorsorts store in Deerfield Beach, Florida. So this adds to his legend, right? Like, kids are like, they never had a Tupac or a Biggie or a Kurt Cobain. Mm. This adds to his legend uh, a little bit. And he was no angel by himself, either. He has a lot of charges of domestic violence, robbery, assault with a deadly weapon, he was actually walking around with an ankle bracelet at the time because he was under house arrest and he was just released because he released the album so the judge let him out of, out of like a holding cell. Otherwise, he'd be still charged with all these offences. So he's not an angel. 2016, this young kid quits his job as a telemarketer, moves in with another guy called Denzel Curry, who's a very good rapper, and decides to pursue this rap thing and he gets super popular and then he gets killed, burns out Bright... On June nineteenth, the day after X's death, Billboard reported that this track "Sad" had broken Spotify's one-day streaming record with over ten point four million streams, and then it went straight to number one, which is the first time anyone's done that since Biggie Smalls, uh, where they've had a song after they've died that's gone to number one. So obviously, it was a, this is like a cultural moment for every thirteen-year-old out there. What did you think of "Sad"?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I dug it. I, I really did like the hook, um, the sound of uh, the song actually sounds you know kind of sweet despite of its um lyrical content you know the first time listening it was kind of like whatever but the second time I, I i really dug it and just listening to this and, and what you were saying about like you know high schoolers or just like super young kids like listening to it i kind of listened to it and i wonder like are are young people like really that depressed with life that they kind of uh What's the word? I are attracted to to this kind of music. It may, it merely makes me think about the state of uh, high school kids.
0: Well, that's the thing, Pedro. Back in my day, you used to have to listen to Lincoln Park to get your emo fix, right? Yeah. Like kids would just be listening to Numb in the playground, and now they're listening to X. It's just a little bit different. Mm. Like this is Lincoln Park for the the average kid.
2: I mean, even even when we were in high school, you still had Taking Back Sunday and the Used <laughs> and bands like that. That. You know, didn't have Hawthorne Heights. That didn't have two different lyrics. So just kind of a different delivery, which makes it unique. That emo rap sort of combination is, you know, something fresh. And I think the kids have gravitated towards that.
0: Boy, am I glad you brought that up. For people that don't know, Josh, you're a you're a bit of a fan of the sort of post-hardcore slash screamo uh, scene at its peak. You know, maybe maybe five ten years ago, it was uh, it was real big. On the next song, Floor Five Five Five. Uh, he sort of screams like he has a bit of screamo elements in it. Where does this sit with you? Because uh, you're a bit of a connoisseur. You know what good screamo is. Where does it sit? Where does the screaming sit with you?
2: Well, that was definitely a phase. I, I've got to say, and I, I'm kind of glad I got out of that <laughs> phase. But I, I actually really like this track because we had such like kind of a soft, almost like acoustic start to the to the album. Uh, and then Floor 555 five, five hits, which is just a complete departure from you know the three or four tracks that you'd heard uh, previously. He's actually done this before. There's a track from X called "Off the Wall" that features uh, Ski Mask, and it uses a Slipknot sample uh, from the track "Spit It Out," which is super good. So I actually really like this kind of. It was like a slowed down kind of bassy track where he's yeah almost screaming and it's as if you're kind of seeing that bipolar or his his kind of split personality from those original tracks to to what you hear in this track
0: is his screaming gonna be as good as like winston from parkway drive or ollie from bring me the horizon probably not but if like if you're a kid that has never heard actual screaming music this is going to sound pretty good to you i thought i thought like it's not bad for what it is it's like this little tiny kid in america that's screaming
2: Yeah, and and you get that chant, you know, fuck boy, don't test me. (laughs) I I can imagine if you're 12, you're probably, you know, screaming that at the top of your lungs, um, hoping your mom doesn't hear it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, like, with with Screamo. I've never been into it at all, um, to be honest. And if people like it, that's, that's awesome. It's always been kind of an ear sore for me. I was having a conversation with somebody over the weekend about it. Well, they were arguing that artists would take that approach in their in their vocals because it displays their raw emotion and that I can appreciate but for me personally I was just like oh man I, I I'm not feeling it so when I heard this I was just kind of like ah, ah, ah I'm good I'm I can I can skip this record
0: it put you off huh yeah it did D- jumping back to 6 9 what did you think about the features like he had he had some sort of impressive people on this one this is the first one uh his first release so the fact he got like young thug who's quite a well-known rapper on it like what did you think of rondo for instance
1: yeah it's fine it's um i think young thug kind of steals a show from Nine in in this verse because as we go through with the album the Nine album it's he had his delivery is all really much the same it's just him yelling at you and telling you don't fuck with him and, and things like that um, but I did enjoy, if anyone caught it, the juvenile homage where he's ending his rhymes with yeah. So he'll be like, yeah, I fuck a bitch, yeah, then it, then it, yeah, and that's a, um, a throwback to like Juvenile's song, like ha or something earlier from four four hundred degrees, which I thought it was was okay, but um, forgettable track for me, with the exception of Young Thug.
2: I mean, it was probably one of the songs that I liked more probably because, you know, like Tory Lanez and Young Thug brought it up a little bit and it kind of felt like a nice track with the features. Whereas, for example, Gummo uh, with, with Offset just sounded like a Migo song, but this one felt like, you know, it worked for me. So yeah, Rondo was maybe one of my favorite songs on the album.
0: Okay, so we were talking about it earlier, and Rondo's just as bad for this, but I think 93 is the one where I was listening to it and it jumped out at me. First of all, we get another scum gang at the start. Scum gang! Gotta love that. Pedro, for this song, you're American and yeah. you're of Latino descent, I think. Yeah. So you'd be best equipped to answer this. Why is Takashi69 Daniel Hernandez allowed to drop the N word? And he doesn't just drop it, he. Fucking carpet bombs his songs with he's napalming the jungle <laughs> with the N bomb. Yeah. he says the N word thirty-one times in this song, and the song is two minutes and sixteen seconds long. That means mm. he says the N word once every four point three seconds. That is impressive for anyone. Yeah. Why does he get away with it?
1: You know, it's funny, man. It's just I was I was having this uh, a, a discussion about <laughs> about the word like maybe an hour before we started recording. And um, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. I think it all it's all about context and where your environment, where you grew up and stuff. I'm sure he grew up. I think he's from Brooklyn, but he probably grew up in an environment where that was getting thrown around and people would talk to him like that. So he felt comfortable to talk to people like that and things like that. And he kind of doesn't know any difference. The question of his Mexican background, Puerto Rican descent Comes up because it's like, is he allowed to say that? I think, sure, if people around him are going to speak to him like that, and he speaks to people in a very authentic way, then, um, then he's fine to do so. You know what I mean? Um, it's different if, uh, let's say, for like, like uh, we did uh, logic a couple of uh, uh, shows back. And it's interesting with Logic, when he drops it, it's almost like he's trying too hard. In my opinion, because he's trying to prove how black he is. And he, he talks about it in songs all the time. Whereas with 6 9 it just tells me a lot about where he grew up. Probably not the best of neighborhoods where people were just talking to him like that. So he just grew up talking like that. So, yeah.
0: So you're right. It is like background 93, also the amount of brain cells I assume Six 69 has, y- if you compare the two, like you look at them on Instagram, X does like Instagram stories and they had like a little bit of a beef or they're like poking fun at each other, I don't think it was anything serious, but X comes on his Instagram story and he's very well spoken and he's like, you know, someone had was talking about me in a negative light. Obviously my name was thrown into that and my energy was kind of used to to spark a fire to that conversation
1: and I was silent about it because I didn't feel the need to address it and I didn't feel as if it would be smart to address it
0: mm-hmm. and then you see 6ix9ine talking about it and he's just like scum gang you better unfollow me cause I'm going on a 7 day rant y'all try
2: to blackboard me on radio uh-huh. y'all try to blackboard me on radio uh-huh. Apple Music uh-huh. Spotify they didn't give us no about? I can't
0: be
2: stopped I can't be stopped Number one you
0: nigga know? I think it's just he is you're right, he's being hundred percent authentic. He's not that smart, he's from the <laughs> streets, he yeah. is not putting on a character, like this is him. Yeah, I think that's a big thing.
2: I was just thinking, do you do you think this this whole cause I, I looked into some statistics and Takashi 69 has 21 million monthly listeners on Spotify. The Beatles have twenty-three million, so they're just <laughs> ahead. And, and the Rolling Stones are languishing on, on 19 million. <laughs> so, but it, but it got me thinking, like, what is the kind of obsession or why is he so famous? And uh, maybe it's a question for you guys, but do you think it's the shock factor? Like if you think back to uh, 2000, Limp Biscuit did a song, uh, Hot Dog, which which had the word fuck in it 40, 49 times. And, and throughout history, you, you get artists that create, you know, a shock factor. Do you think that's why he has gained so much popularity? Okay, I
0: think, and this is, this is a point I came up with, like, later in X's album, Smash, and I was just like, going through the songs, and I was going through 6 9 songs, I was like, every song is two minutes long. As soon as you start to get into it, it's over, and you've got to listen to it again. So I don't know if that's by design, because the longest song on either album is 3 minutes 25 seconds, so that's a remix is this a conscious choice? Because no one has that much attention span anymore, mm-hmm. and it actually leads to double the listens. Like, you listen to one and it's over, so like, oh, I've got to listen to it twice. And so you actually end up with twice as many listens on a song as opposed to Hey Jude, which goes for seven minutes, and you listen to it once and, and you're done with it. you got to listen to Gummo three or four times because it's, it's in your head. Or is it because they literally can't write songs that long? They're like, they, they only have two minutes of, of song in them to write. But I think that's what it is, like... It draws, because it's short and it's like a violent explosion, it immediately just draws people to it. Like, you want to see the car crash.
2: I guess there's also something around monetization and how much you get paid per listen. So, to your point, if a song's seven minutes long, that's not going to be as lucrative as, say, yeah, short two-minute super catchy banger, like Gummo or, or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think, Judd, to, to your point, I think you're right in both of those uh, things that you were saying. There's a business aspect to it where you, if you make the song really short, then people will have to play it again and again to to squeeze as much as financial lemonade out of that lemon as possible. Because if you go back to two thousand eight, 2018, Kanye dropped Ye, and that same year, uh, Drake... Drop scorpion yay i think has maybe like seven songs or like it was a really short album and then scorpion has maybe over 20 songs and i remember just people saying that that the scorpion album was too long so i, I think a lot of artists are consciously making shorter shorter albums but also i think example of six nine yeah, I think he's just not that lyrically talented. So he just makes a 30 second song and it's just like, yeah, that's dope. Let's put it up there. To answer your question, Josh, I think it is a shock value thing. I mean, look at this guy. I mean, he's running around with rainbow colored hair. He's just wilding out tattoos all over his face. I think it is a th- uh, a thing of let's be as ridiculous as possible. He has a song called Trolls. Everyone knows now internet slang what a troll is. I think it's a lot more about your persona on social media, and then it leads to the music that are that people are putting out. So,
0: and we say like, oh, the, these guys are like they're they're wild and out; they can't be controlled. They're from SoundCloud. They're actual real gangsters, and that is um, true to an extent. But they are both signed to record labels, and they both make a lot of money. And that was a thing that sort of started happening, where you have this like all these people that are big facets of the SoundCloud rap movement that start getting signed and start being really popular all of a sudden. And it's kind of weird, like when Lil Peep was with Kanye West in that, that song. And, oh, you're like popular now, even though you're just like a guy, a guy that was rapping in his bedroom a little bit earlier. So they just saw there was money involved and signed all these people. Like it is shock value, but it's a little bit manufactured shock value, mm-hmm. I think. I want to compare like two, two songs here. Kuda, which has some great lyrics, by the way, when he sings... Black van, pull up to your mama crib, boy. Tie her up. Drive that shit off a bridge, little boy. And comparing it with numb, which is a great—it's like an emo song. That you couldn't get two more different attitudes towards the lyrics here, and it was just so indicative of how different these albums were.
2: Yeah, I mean, in X's numb, it—you know—one of the lines is, "I'm drowning in my tears. I'm drowning in my tears. I can't seem to forget the pain." to give which is just you know a world away from from Cuda, but really catchy um few lines there dicky stiffy uh bet she gives a licky uh <laughs> little bitty uh bustle on her titties uh i actually like had a giggle to myself when i heard that and thought it was quite cool had kind of a nice flow to it but yeah two very different songs <laughs> and and a reference to letting your nuts hang uh this time not not
0: drag I thought Numb sucked, personally. Like, I thought, like, because I've listened to, I like some emo music, and I've listened to good emo music, so I thought hearing this guy who is a rapper, but he d- trying to do emo music, sort of like when Kid Cudi tried to go a bit emo with his music, it just, I, I didn't like it that much. I was actually getting, this is going to sound offensive, I was getting, <laughs> like, you know, One Republic or Imagine Dragons, you know, those, like, or Coldplay. Yeah. I was getting those sort of vibes a little bit from it. I was like, oh, I'm not into it, this Numb song.
2: And that uh, directly follows Floor 555, which is just, you know, the, the contrast and uh, the variety that he's showing in that album was, was quite extreme.
1: Yeah, with Numb, I, I I listened to this and I was like, okay, I, I get what he's, what he's about. It's, it is totally like an emo song. And... I didn't think it was terrible, but I thought it would have been better if he would put some rap into it. Like, let's say it was a three-rap structure. Like, he does the hook, he raps, does the hook, a bridge, and raps again. Um, I thought it would have been a little bit better, but it's totally. It it I think it it encompasses what this what this whole album is. Um, in regards to Cuda, uh, Josh, I think you hit the nail on the head. That is one of the most standout lines in the whole album. Because he even goes on to say, like, she's a skeezer, uh, don't really need her. Uh. Then I bust, then I leave her. Uh, she a little eater. Uh. And it's, I don't know, it just stood out. It was just, it is, it's so ridiculous and so simple, but it was still, it was still pretty funny. And I think that's where 6 nine really out really uh, outshines, is that uh, it's a really super aggressive delivery, but it's all about, like, swag and attitude that really um, makes them stand out from uh other other rap or even soundcloud rappers uh, of the time now
0: yeah like you think of like uh who else is a like a trippy red is it or like space goes perp or yeah. um a little little Uzi yeah. Vert. yeah and they're quite like they're a little bit more like melodic and softer they're not as aggressive as six nine he is like that side of the spectrum and x is way at the other side of the spectrum right. with this album do you guys think x is a good rapper
1: uh, he's okay. I mean, there's a couple
0: of songs where... Infinity 888, yeah. and Joey Badass is on it, and I thought, yeah. oh, well, that's not good, because that means Joey Badass is going to, like, do a really great rap, because he's a really good rapper, and X is going to have to try and follow it. Right. And this is, this is, like, the most rap track, this one, Infinity 888, and I liked it. I liked it a lot, but I was like, this is, when it's on a standard rap track, I think, like, clearly you can see who the better rapper is on this track. Yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, like, this is the, the song... Like it has a jazzy hip hop beat. Um, I did prefer Joey Battis's style just because I'm just more prone to like that typical New York lyrical style. and um, to answer your question, I was surprised about X. I I was like, oh wow, he can he can rap actually um passable enough. So I was surprised at at that. so um I was like, oh, that's that's pretty dope. And then when he switches up to that double time flow i was like okay so he has a little bit of uh versatile but the thing that stood out to me in this song is when he says you know uh make my flow shape shift cold expression like a facelift at the public's with the eight grips if you talking all that ape shit now the thing about that is i read up that x is from florida and i'm from florida i grew up there but what (laughs) that stood out to me is that at the public's with the eight grips any person from Florida will tell you like Publix is very much a cultural thing. Like everyone knows about Publix and they're famous for their deli sandwiches and their chicken uh strips and stuff like that. It's kind of a thing in Florida uh to like go to Publix after school and get a sandwich because they're a little bit higher grade than a subway or anything like that. And they're a lot more affordable than a subway. So I, I, I I did appreciate that line when he said that.
2: I thought, I thought this was a nice feature with obviously with Joey badass. And yeah, I mean, I thought X actually kind of stepped up to the plate almost in, in the verse that he had. And of course, Joey badass is the better rapper, but I think X did himself, you know, pretty well on, on the song. particularly like the the verse that starts yeah traveling through infinity uh and the flow that you know that verse had but i don't think that's where you know obviously x isn't the the best rapper to your question judd but it's it's how he melds all these genres into and and how he tells this kind of story in the album that i think is his real talent like taking Heavy metal or a screamo, and and bringing that into the the hip hop world is is kind of where his talent lies. Speaking of
0: influences, and I know we're skipping ahead a little bit, but I want to cover it. What did you think of Pain Equals Best Friend in all caps featuring Travis Barker of Blink One Eighty Two fame? Shades of a Slipknot track here. I'm ninety nine percent sure he saw the song People equal Shit, and he's like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. It's sort of hardcore, but if you've listened to hardcore, mm-hmm. it's not that hardcore. It was just, uh, Travis Barker, why? Where'd you come from? Why do you need the money that badly?
2: Yeah, it started out with some kind of soft guitar and I was just, I was like, where are the drums? Where's Travis? And, you know, the drums came at about the the minute mark of the song. So I didn't dislike the song, but it just seemed a little bit out of place. Um, Actually, from this point on, there was a few songs that that seemed a bit out of place, like the song with Maddox and, um, you know, I don't even speak Spanish, but they, they, there was some a few oddballs in there.
0: I mean, okay, with a bullet, just covering, just covering those, I don't even speak Spanish, he's, he's, that's not even his song. Yeah. What is it doing on the album? He says, like, two lines on the entire song. It's just some random people singing, like, a Despacito ripoff, and then he sings two lines just to make it his, and it's on the album. I, I didn't understand that.
2: I was listening to this album... And then I Don't Even Speak Spanish, LOL, comes on. And I actually had to check my phone because, I, you know, when Spotify goes to another album or another artist automatically when the album finishes, I thought that's what happened uh, when this song came on. And then it turns out that it actually is on the album. I thought it was um Bad Bunny or someone and, you know, Latin. I thought it was, like, Enrique Iglesias.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enrique yeah, really. And and the same thing for Schizophrenia, the last track. I hope Corey Taylor from Slipknot is lawyering up as soon as he heard that song, because it is very just a Slipknot song, even at the start, where he's sort of whispering.
2: Voices here, voices voices in
0: your head. <laughs> and it sounds like duality, like I push my fingers into my eyes. I push my fingers into my eyes. I... I thought, oh, he's taking influences from all over the shop, which is fine. But it, some of them just don't fit on the album. Like, what did you think of the, the structure here, Pedro, and the schizophrenic nature of it?
1: This, Yeah, in regards to the structure of it, it is kind of all over the place. Because it was that same thing, too. That Spanish song comes on. And I was like, oh, okay. So we're doing this now. And then it goes to a song like Schizophrenia, which is another Screamo track. And um, I just... With, with, with these screamo songs it just takes me out of it it's just not my flavor so i was just kind of like all right cool i appreciate what he's doing and i understand uh the influences that that he grew up with and it's and it's very apparent like you listen to this album and you're like okay he grew up listening to emo music he grew up listening to trap music he likes screamo and now he's just putting all this into one album which makes sense because the dude was 20 years old when he recorded this. So I just figured that he was still finding out who he was in a way, you know what I mean? Musically and maybe even personally. And he just did a, a an album and put all these styles together. With Schizophrenia, for me, it was just like, okay, yeah, I'm just, it's not my thing. Not my thing at all. So
0: like a a song like on 6 ix album, is it Booba or, or Bubba? Uh, Bubba? Bubba. Where it's, very much like an Extentacion track, a little bit like the vibe and the sample. It's referencing an X track he did with Seamask a little bit earlier. And even though he was 20 or 19, like his impact has been felt in the music scene. Like everyone loves SoundCloud rap and mumble rappers, and he's a big reason why. Drake got in some trouble for stealing uh, one of Extentacion sort of flows. Like he he made a song that sounded very similar to an Extentacion song people are taking, like, advantage of him. Kanye West wanted him, you know, wanted to feature on something. Nicki Minaj Mm -hmm. featured, as Josh mentioned, on Dummy Boy. So, like, even though they're ridiculous and, like, the music isn't, quote-unquote, good, they're really, really powerful in terms of their impact in the music biz.
2: Yeah, I mean if you if you just look at 69s, yeah, as I mentioned before, the monthly listeners, I think people like Nicki Minaj and Kanye West see that and they also see dollar signs uh, when they look at those numbers and I think the track you were referring to was KMT by Drake.
1: Demon just got out of can. I gave my bro in Love is just not in my plan.
2: which has a very similar flow to to look at me. My bitch don't love
0: me no more, ay. She
2: um, I listened to both of those songs a couple of years ago, and it was super apparent that yes, that's a complete ripoff. But I mean, it just shows the influence that they have not only over you know young people um, and fans, but also kind of the mainstream music industry.
0: And you want to talk dollar signs? The actual song is called dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. And you want to talk about young kids. Well, one of them features on this album. It's Matt Ox, born 2004. And if you haven't seen him, look up his music video, Overwhelming, where he's 13 years old and playing with fidget spinners (laughs) in this rap video, and he's trying to pretend to be an actual rapper. And you can even see one of the lines is, spin on my dick like a Beyblade. Ah." So obviously, um, this is the future generation of rappers that X is helping foster. I couldn't believe that Matt Ox was on this album.
2: Yeah, I mean, just the fact that he's using <laughs> lines like "spin on my dick" when there's a fourteen-year-old <laughs> like... on the track just seemed really weird to me. It's like <laughs> you
0: don't even have pubes yet, bro.
2: It it was just really odd, and I don't I don't know why this even made the the album. Maybe Maddox has some you know influence himself and and a lot of fans, but it just. It was just super weird.
1: For yeah, me. I, I, at this point, this is when I realized, I mean, this is young, like a 14-year-old kid or high sky school, high schooler making rap music and probably what they think their idea of what rap music can be. You know what I mean? So it's just like, this track's about money. So let's just like talk about that or let's just talk about pussy or whatever it is. So um, yeah, that's how I, I just took it as, like I didn't... I didn't hate on it because I just took it as like, this is what they think rap is, like I said, supposed to be, which is, this is a a young dude who's 20 years old and he is just, you know, fucking around with different styles. And this is just uh, all that, uh, this is how it comes out as.
0: We have a, a rapper here whose latest album, right before he gets murdered, is all about being sad and thinking about death and suicide and all that not to sound callous, but, like, the biggest thing that could happen to him is he has a premature death and his legacy lives on. Yeah. It's, like, Jimi Hendrix in the 27 Club or, like, Kurt Cobain or whatever, where it's exactly what happens. And even even worse, 6ix9ine, him getting gunned down for being a snitch or getting killed in gang violence would be, like, the most mm. iconic thing to make him live forever. I feel like we had a period of, like, 15 years where rappers weren't really dying. Like, they were they just weren't – they were getting shot, but they weren't dying. Having another Tupac and Biggie for this generation is such a big thing, um, without like sounding callous or anything, but it's true.
1: I don't know. This is a, a it's an interesting discussion because it, it's like, what is it? Art imitating life or life imitating art? Right? So you know, six nine, he'll rap on tracks about you know sticking people up and stuff, and he says, "I really do it." You know, obviously in the beginning of the the episode, you were talking about all his legal trouble. I you got to wonder if. If he wasn't rapping, would he be continuing getting into all this uh, bullshit or the fact that now he's rapping and he's in a spotlight um, fosters more opportunities for him to get into this uh, into these uh, (laughs) legal troubles and and stuff like that? And eventually, like what's going to be the end of it, because the more he feeds into it, the the bigger his, uh, his infamy would be.
2: Yeah, it's like almost as if Six Nine has to sort of live up to this image that is created. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens now. He's obviously under house arrest, but it's it's like he's taken. You know, in the in the nineties, you had a lot of the gangster rap that rapped about um, you know guns and drugs and bitches, but he's taken that to like the nth degree, like times a hundred percent. So it's interesting what will happen with. Uh, with his image because, you know, he's he's like this gangster. He was in the Treyway Bloods. He's created this image for himself and he almost has to, like, keep going with that, if that makes sense.
0: When it comes to SoundCloud rap, and I think the New York Times, they wrote this article in, like, 2018. So this is when both of them were alive and at the peak of their powers, and they even saw this coming. They said... Many of, you know, the mumble rap, the sound's key players, Lil Pump, Smoke Purp, Trippie Red, have been absorbed into the music industry, becoming a kind of farm team for hip-hop's mainstream. Their radicalism has been muted in hopes they might not burn too hot too fast, which is very prescient. And it goes on to say X is signed to Capital Music Group, 6 9 is still signed to Universal Music Group, so they're still big business and everything. X died before he ever got a chance to sell out or mellow out or become normal mainstream top 40. Uh, whether 6 9 does or he mellows out, I don't know. But it's saying, like, if you don't end up dead, like Juice World or Lil Peep or any of those people, you end up mellowing out and just enjoying the money and, like, softening up a little bit. Mm. Um, so maybe that'll happen to 6 9
2: I, I kind of already saw that transition from Day 69 to Dummy Boy like Dummy Boy is way more listenable <laughs> you know with with a lot of um, different features um, on that album so you know songs like Fifi and, and Mama aren't you know I actually quite enjoy listening to those so I, I put a note uh, I think it was Gotti on Day 69 where I kind of felt like that was the transition to Dummy Boy where it did sound more main, mainstream so that might be already happening and you know he's yet to release another full-length album after his released from jail but it did it did sound it, it was more palatable at least for me
0: and there's other songs like changes and hope that are more sort of soft rock emo things there is no song mm. where he just goes hard and turns up really x on this thing and by contrast, there is no song on Day Six Nine where he slows down and does a nice soulful ballad where he doesn't swear, and that like obviously that's never going to happen.
2: I think, uh, yeah, I think to your point, there was no song like you 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 listen to Look at Me, and within the first few seconds, everyone's like turned up, and you know what's coming, like the the beat's about to drop, and it's going to get super aggressive. I didn't get that on on question mark and then before i closed my eyes was kind of this really nice acoustic finish to the album which kind of summed up this super versatile album where you had influences of folk uh, emo kind of screamo um, all in kind of like a 30 to 40 minute package so it was quite an interesting listen and kind of you didn't know what was coming next
0: i was gonna ask because um, you saw denzel curry in helsinki right josh
2: yeah, in uh, 2018. Yeah, was did he do an X song? He did. Uh, he finished with Look At Me, which was great. Cra- yeah. You know, the crowd went crazy um, and then had quite a touching kind of tribute to, to X. You mentioned that they, they lived together for some time. But yeah, like Denzel Curry is interesting. He's like a super positive guy and kind of looks to inspire, you know, people and his fans and had quite a touching message um, to X in that concert. But yeah, that was a that was a crazy moment.
0: Cuz so I saw Denzel Curry in Hong Kong. Everyone loves his songs, right? And it is was, it was like I think it's after Taboo had come out. Everyone was like going crazy, but then he's like I'm going to do one for X. And there's just something about the energy in the crowd. It was like full of uni students um and all that sort of thing. And there's something about the energy when the first notes of Look yeah. at Me come on hey. and you can yeah. hear it coming and like the, it starts yeah. rumbling yeah. and then they make a little yeah. circle pit, which is yeah. something I've never seen at a rap show. I've only ever seen it like you know, metal shows or something that I've been to. Uh, and it's just a different energy. So this that's a song that is really, it really touched people. So obviously he had an impact. I also want to say, it's the first time I've ever felt old at a concert or the first time I've ever <laughs> felt like, I don't understand what these kids are, are into. I remember it so clearly. Being in like a, a, a party in Hong Kong or whatever, and they started playing 6 9 and X, and it was just all these kids from SCAD and all these universities and stuff that were way younger than me and I thought oh okay I'm, I'm finally starting to feel old because I don't understand this music at all.
2: I didn't have to kind of google that it was a slipknot sample so that just shows how old I am um, whereas a lot of people would. Yeah the only sort of other things that I had kind of in my notes was that the X album you could probably play in a cafe and you and songs like Moonlight or Sad, like my mum would probably even say, "Oh, that was a nice song." Uh, whereas if you played uh, Six Nines' album to a to a friend in the car, you, you'd probably be like, "Kind of," they'd be like, "What the hell is this?" So um, two super different albums.
1: Yeah, I mean, listening to X's album, I mean, I had my own prejudices against mumble rap. I wouldn't say it completely change change them. Um, because the thing is with x i don't i wouldn't even consider him like a pure rapper right because his styles change even from song to song and he um dips his toes in different genres i think it was, it, it's interesting because you know he was so young he's like 20 years old so i think he was still kind of finding himself and if he maybe would have hooked up with the right producer or just you know had longer career he would have really honed his style and um his music and all that i thought it's interesting that the dude is influenced by emo rock trap and, and all these things so i think that's what really gives him his appeal to to people and i respect that i can i definitely can respect that because i didn't hate the album and there are songs that like numb which I thought was indicative of the whole thing that I, I did enjoy, but it would have been interesting to uh, see him grow and just mature as a, as an artist and see where he would have gone, you know, with, uh with the years that he had uh, coming. Whereas six, nine, uh, man, I mean, it's interesting. Cause it's a whole different side of the spectrum It's just like, just fucking in your face. It's kicking the door. and after i listened to it it really left me frazzled you know i was just like okay what am i i just feel like fighting somebody right now and just being the shit out of somebody i mean the positive thing that i can say about six nine is that he does do a good job carrying the album because it's mostly just him from start to finish but it's only so long that i could take someone shouting at me about how much i don't want you know i don't want the smoke or i don't want beef with them before i can agree with them right so it's just so it's just like all right cool i I don't want to i don't want to f- fuck with you anymore so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna turn you off and clean my palate and listen to something a little bit more more chilled out like like x's album
2: i think yeah i i agree i think in small doses uh six nine is is good to listen to and in the right context like we as we mentioned there are some bangers like uh particularly gummo um it's the same kind of thing right if you listen to walk a flock of flame there's only so much walk a flock of flame you can take before you're kind of over it and that's probably around 30 to 40 minutes but if you're listening to to one or two tracks here and there then you know they're they're fun and enjoyable and they get you hyped and you know they they have a purpose um but but in terms of listening to the the whole album from start to finish, it was um, it was pretty tough. <laughs>
0: mm. So yeah, I I will say like fuck, it was hard to listen to. Like that six nine album was hard to listen to, and I like Gummo and stuff, but god, that was it was bad. I think the kids now that are listening to it that get influenced by X and Six Nine will make really good music. I think it's the same as like what happened with gangster rap, where you had a lot of gangster rappers at the start, but it took someone to apply a bit of like thought to mm-hmm. it and a bit of like knowledge to it, like like Tupac or even like Kendrick. Just to to add a bit of artistry to it. The raw product is there. So if you refined this, you'd have something really good. Yeah. The next generation. X album, it was not as good as I thought it was gonna be because I was expecting bangers and I didn't get any bangers. But it was a really pleasant surprise that like sad is a good song and there's some good songs in there. There's some fucking horrible songs in there. Every song that sounds like One Republic or, or Imagine Dragons, like Hope or, or stuff like that, I don't like. And also the I Don't Speak Spanish lol had no place on the album. But otherwise, it was a much better album. And deservedly, he's revered by every person posting a YouTube comment ever. Every, for every like my comment gets, that's how many years in prison the murderer should get and stuff, stuff like that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Josh... Before we wrap things up, uh, thanks so much for coming on, but you're in a pub. Remember what those were like when you could have a, a drink sitting close to someone within 1.5 metres? Um, you're in a pub, and someone said, like, oh, I've been hearing about this Takashi this 69 guy. Um, do you have any songs? What song would you recommend off Day 6-9? And what song would you recommend off Question Mark?
2: Um, off Day 6-9, I'm going to go uh, Kiki. For the fact that it features uh Fetty Wap 1738 uh on Remy the hook, boys uh which was kind of catchy <laughs> and I think they'd enjoy that in the pub and on sad I'm gonna go sorry on question mark I'm gonna go sad because um that was my favorite song and I think I think that song would appeal to kind of a, a wide range of listeners like you don't have to be like a hip hop fan or like it's kind of genre which is nice. Um, and just, yeah, those two songs.
1: Better. Yeah. With uh, my choices uh, with six, nine, I will say, I want to say Kuda just before the line of, uh, and Josh said it earlier, Dicky Stiffy, uh, best you give me some Licky. Uh. I just think it's a hilarious <laughs> little rhyme scheme <laughs> and, and, and it's just, it encompasses everything that he's about. First of all, you're going to get that delivery, just shouting in your face. And also it displays his his well, I would say rap skills, but more of the lack of rap skills. you know, it's just just um, this very simple rhyme pattern that he's got. And if you listen to that, people would understand what he is all about. In regards to um to X, uh, I'm gonna say numb because I think it's just the most indicative of his style of music. So yeah, I think that's gonna be the the choice for me.
0: Yeah, so for for six nine, I'm gonna go with Billy because it, it opens with a hiss and a roar. You know exactly what you're getting. You drag in someone's nuts over your face. And it's Daniel Hernandez's nuts that are going over your face. Oh, so enjoy that. Uh,
2: I wonder if they have six nine on them. That that's like that's uh, got me thinking.
1: Got rainbow pubes? Yeah, <laughs> they like ask, You will have to ask a thirteen year old girl to find that.
0: <laughs> oh. And then for X, but uh, I I like the Joey Vados song Infinity eight 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 just because I really like Joey Vados. Love his albums, and uh, I think. But you're right, Josh was right. Like X knew that he had to elevate himself as a rapper to to sort of match him on the track. And he does, he does, but he's still not as good. So that's awesome. I will never listen to those albums again, more than likely. I'll probably listen to like Sad again and Gummo. Uh, Josh, is there anything you want to plug? You want to plug your Instagram? You've got a hell of a golf swing that you're you're putting some stories up of. But uh, anything you want to talk about or promote?
2: No, well, on the topic of golf, um, I'm hoping to maybe get a, a bit of a golf podcast going. So you could maybe help me out with that um, in the future. Hell
0: yeah, hell um, yeah. And
2: and I could plug it at at that point. Um, but yeah, it was it was great to come on today. It was it was fun to do a bit of research about. Um, both albums, and yeah, I'll, I'll listen out for it in the when it comes out. And uh, when we get
0: you on next time, we'll make sure we'll choose an album that you actually like, like we'll choose some, uh, I don't know, <laughs> or something. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, Pedro, any final comments?
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting when we we're conceiving this idea of the podcast, I thought it would be oh man, we're going to be listening to some great albums, you know. and uh, I think this weekend, this episode has proved that there's not a. Sometimes we got to listen to a lot of the the dirt and mud to get to the good stuff. So, just want to say, Josh, thanks for for coming out and uh, speaking your mind on the show, and uh, really appreciate it, man. All right, see you next week, guys.
0: Scum gang.
1: Scum. Go.